redeem us and bring us back to you and make a way possible. Your heart has never changed and will not change toward us and toward mankind. <clears throat> Pray for your spirit to move among us, do your work in our hearts, and show us the way forward. That we would know, know you more today and walk with you again today and know the work that you have for us. Lord, guide our steps. Thank you for the strength that you have given us and will give us. And we pray for your guiding hand in all of our, our daily uh, work and lives. May we understand uh, this message too as we look into your word again. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. I remembered as I was sitting here what struck me from that song as we were singing. I don't know that the phrase was um, specifically said, but death, where is thy sting? I don't know that it hit me in a fresh way that if Christ rose from the dead, then death no longer has that final sting that it has apart from Christ. Um, and I was like, wow, maybe I should read 1 Corinthians 15 and focus on that. And, <clears throat> but I want to look at a few verses there thinking about that. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And what I'll be looking at some verses today that Christ came to remove the curse of the law. And if the sting of death is sin, he came so that we can be released from the power of sin and released from the curse of the law. And so the sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. And so Christ removed that, and so the sting is gone. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. <clears throat> well, that whole chapter there, um, I don't know that, Kenton, that I have an Eastery message either. The, um, the thing that's been on my mind is redemption. And that's very much a part of what happened when Christ rose from the dead, is redemption. Um, so in that sense, it is. But as I looked at this chapter, since we came back from the lake, I'm like, I should have focused on 1 Corinthians 15. That's the whole message right there. And um, our beliefs about the resurrection, I think, my beliefs, our beliefs, probably could stand some challenging. Because if I really believe this, and I really believe that Christ came to redeem the lost, of whom I'm a part of that, you're a part of that, Christ came to redeem us, and he has redeemed us, then some of the things that I struggle with, why do I even struggle with them? If like here, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law, and Jesus came to deal with that. It's gone. Um, I had to think. It's like 
I just did this recently. We went to Guadalajara, and I had one of those $5 coupons. Well, it was a Friday night. I didn't realize it. In the small print, it says, does not apply to Friday and Saturday nights or something like that. So I handed it to her. And she's reading it, and she handed it back to me. She said, can't use that tonight. But there's many times when I go in, and I went in another time when I could have used it, and it stayed in my wallet, right? I did not redeem my coupon, right? So as we think about redemption, there are, there are things that Christ has made available, but am I leaving it in my pocket? Am I forgetting? Am I forgetting it? <clears throat> I had to think of the five W's. As we look at redemption today, you know, we throw these words around, and do I know what redemption means? I want to look at what redemption means. But the five W's, who, what, when, where, and why, or how. You know, there's a few, maybe a sixth word in there. But when you think about looking at <clears throat> some of the truths in Scripture, take the, take the five W's. I know you probably learned those in school. As you, you know, as a um, detective looks at a crime scene, these are the questions that they're answering, that they need to answer in their, in their report. And if they can't answer it, then they can't close the case. Who, who did Jesus come for? Who, what, when, where, and why? But in redemption, who did Jesus come for? What is the meaning of redemption? Where and when did this redemption take place? And why do I even need to worry about redemption? What <clears throat> is it needed why look at the meaning of this word? I'd like to turn to Luke 15 to answer the first question. <clears throat> There's three parables in Luke 15. We have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. We're starting at verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Just picture that. Who is drawing near to Christ? These are the people Christ came for. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So which, which group do I find myself in? Am I drawing near to Christ, understanding that I need Christ? Or am I murmuring? Am I in the crowd that's murmuring, saying, he is not doing things right. Why does he do this? He's eating with sinners. And Jesus said, he spake a parable unto them, saying, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. That's how God is looking at us, how God looks at people. If there's just one that is lost, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go. It, 
it makes me think of, I had this written down for sharing a little later, but <clears throat> Christ came for the lost. Who did Jesus come for? <clears throat> I was looking at, been reading about and listening to some interviews of um, trafficking stories. And there is over, over a million slaves in the U.S. today. Um, do we look at around us like that? That's 1% of the women in the U.S. are in the sex industry, sex trafficking. One million, over a million. That's one, about 1%. Um, Jesus came for the lost, those that are in slavery. As we look at the next, um, you know, what is the definition of redemption? Probably am getting ahead of myself, but as I looked at this word lost, Jesus is coming, has come to redeem the lost. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And then if we jump ahead to verse 24, uh, 22. Looking at the lost son who returned to his father. And he says in verse 21, I'm not worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Christ came not to change the Father's heart. Christ came to reconcile us to the Father. It wasn't about the Father. It was about us. We are the ones who are lost and need to be found, that are, we're dead and need to be made alive. God is waiting and ready to rejoice. That is his heart. <clears throat> what is the meaning of redemption? When you think of the word redemption, what do you think of? Restoration. Yep, very much so. Anything else? 
bringing back something you deserve, okay? It belongs to you. What else? Okay. So something is where it doesn't belong, right? I think I, I think of the whole trafficking thing because all through history there's been slaves, there's been marketplaces for slaves, and that's what we are to sin, apart from Christ coming to that marketplace and paying the price. And there's people today, and you look at it and say, that's like Christ. They will go into the <clears throat> slave market, so to speak, and rescue people. They'll pay the price. They'll get slaves most of the time cannot get out of their situation themselves. There's occasions where maybe they run away, they but it's part of the whole mindset also. Even if they can get away, they don't because of this the slave mentality um, and the, the brutality and the and the abuse that's going on. To redeem a slave, a slave needs somebody to step in on their behalf. That's what Christ did for mankind. He stepped in. He went to that dark market. And that's what we sang about this morning. Remembering that Christ went to death so that we don't need to. He went to that market and paid the price. <clears throat> A picture in the Old Testament is Boaz and Ruth. We're familiar with that story. Boaz said, you know, Ruth and Naomi found themselves in a situation that was too much for them. It was overwhelming. And Boaz said, I will redeem you. I will do, take that part and lift you out of the situation you are in. That's what redemption is. Whenever we see the word redemption or redeem there's two words to think about and they're opposite each other but think about slave and think about papa it was in god's heart to redeem mankind i want to look at um, romans 8 15 and 21 brings that out For ye have not received the spirit of bondage or slavery again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So Papa went to market in Christ Jesus and made the payment. So when we think redemption, we don't just think Christ. We think Papa. Is Papa with me every day? 
Do I live that way? He is. Or am I living as a slave, being driven by the abuse, being controlled by someone with evil intentions? I have Papa. Redemption is the promise of God. So thinking about what redemption is, it is the promise of God to deliver us from the power and the presence of sin. The power and the presence of sin. Two things, because I look at it and I say, okay, we've been redeemed from the power. And in some sense, I think, the presence of sin. But we still see it all around us and we face temptation. So we've been redeemed, it's been accomplished, but I don't think it's totally fulfilled yet. There's, we can maybe discuss that a bit. But I think there's a part of redemption where we look forward waiting and longing for a total redemption. And I think we see that in scripture too, where there's a time coming where we're gonna be, redemption will be fulfilled. There's, and we wait for that, we long for that. And that's part of the struggle. We say, well, things aren't right yet. And why do I have to go through this, whatever it is? But we're longing for that final completion. And yet Christ has accomplished it. Where and when did this redemption take place? Galatians 3, 13 and 14. You know, we, if you look at redemption in this topic, it is, it is all through Scripture. We find it everywhere. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Where and when did this redemption take place? On the cross. Christ hung on the cross for us. This verse also looks at the next, you know, why would Christ redeem me? Verse 14 answers that. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We are called sons and daughters of his because of the Spirit in our lives. I have a story from Bible school. Um, Daniel had told me, and then he reminded me right before he, he left, and I'm glad he reminded me because I forgot. The, um, <clears throat> but we were looking for a Bible school speaker, and you know what, what blesses me about this is I'm thinking, it's not working out. We've talked to numerous people, and well, we'll pray about it, you know. We'll pray about it and see what God does. And over that time, what I didn't know is Daniel's planning his trip for, and the mission really is planning the trip for him to come speak at missions conference in Pennsylvania and then go home. And so um, Sarah Lloyd does that purchasing, I guess, or arranges the tickets. And she kept after Daniel. And, you know, 
Can we buy those tickets? And he's saying, no, there's something else. I don't know what it is, but there's something else. Don't buy my ticket yet. And so he kept holding her off. Just wait a little bit more. I don't know what it is. And then I messaged him. <laughs> well, Lily actually messaged me and said, you should ask Daniel. And so then Daniel and I started talking. And right away, Daniel's like, this is it. This is what I knew there was something. That is the spirit of God. And so I look at that and I say, wow, that's another encouragement to listen to those promptings and to wait. Um, but that is, Christ said, and that we could hear it in Kenton's message too this morning, Christ redeemed us so that we can live by the Spirit. So that, that's getting into why would Christ redeem us? Um, <clears throat> First Chronicles 1721. <clears throat> Looking again, thinking about where and why this redemption. <clears throat> Verse 20, O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem, to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving out nations from before thy people, whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt. So when God set out to redeem his people, first starting with Israel, is there anybody that could stop him? So when God sets out to redeem us, is there anybody that will stop him? The answer is no. Second <clears throat> Samuel seven twenty three. This is actually David's words. It's the same words again at the same time in his prayer. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a name, to do for you great things and terrible for thy land, before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. And then Isaiah 50, verse 2. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh, because there is no water and dieth for thirst. So God is saying, am I not able to redeem I'm the one who can stop whole rivers and just dry them up at my word. I have the power to deliver you. 
an example in the New Testament in Acts 12, where Peter is delivered from prison, <coughs> starting in verse 6, it says, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So Herod's going to kill Peter. And Peter's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So there's a lot of people involved in keeping P Peter there, right? Picture ourselves in sin, the people that we meet in sin. There's a lot of powers involved in keeping them where they are at. But is that power too great for God? God sends his angel Verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. So he shook Peter and woke him up. Isn't that what God does to us sometimes? He sends a messenger that shakes us up and wakes us up, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, it's time to go. It's time to do something here. Saying, arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. The things that we can work for... <laughs> for years, thinking, I need to figure out a way to get out of these chains. They just fall off when God de brings deliverance. And the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy soldiers sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So Peter thought he was dreaming. So when God comes in to redeem, we can think that we're dreaming. This is too good to be true. This is just a dream. It's not really happening, but it really is true. And when they were past the first, the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So all the things that everybody expected would happen. It didn't happen because God. <clears throat> this is what Christ has accomplished for us. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. So Peter was locked up in prison by the power of darkness. The same as all people in the world and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption, in Christ. We probably all know that. I don't know, do you know that little chorus, he paid a debt, he did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay, I needed someone. Let's, let's sing that right now. I had to think of that song as I was studying this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. 
And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Is this what Christ accomplished? How long does it last? <clears throat> Hebrews 9:12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves So when you think of the Old Testament the sacrifices that need, Hebrews talks about they need to be done continually over and over and over again So comparing to that neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once one time into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. What kind of redemption? Eternal redemption. This redemption doesn't get old. This redemption doesn't pass away. The verse right before that says, but Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So it's not what they were used to. Is something new. It's <clears throat> set free forever. Ephesians 4 gives a picture of that future day also. Four thirty. Verse thirty. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So looking a little more at, so let's talk about where and when did this redemption take place. Could really talk more on that too. That day and what Christ went through when we picture the agony and the pain that he went through on our behalf. Why would he do that? It's so that we can be reconciled to Papa, to God. Matthew 20. <clears throat> 26 to 28. But it's... It shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant or slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Why did he come? It's to bring us into this family, into this kingdom, where we are now voluntarily slaves and servants. We're not driven by a harsh master, but now we choose. Lord, take me to your door this day. Put your mark on me. I will be your slave for life. But he says, welcome into the house as sons you know, and daughters. Galatians 4, 3 to 5. Why would Christ redeem us? <clears throat> Galatians 4, 3 to 5. 
Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. So there you see that word bondage. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Why would Christ redeem us? It's so that we can be adopted as sons. <clears throat> Titus 2.14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Why did Christ redeem us? To free us from iniquity, to purify us unto good himself, zealous of good works. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5, another we see more another reason, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So here, I had to think, why did Christ redeem us? He redeemed us so that we can bring that reconciliation to other people to say, this is what God is doing and what he can do for you, that ministry of reconciliation. I know there is, um, if God calls you or calls us, um, not if, but he does call us to this ministry of reconciliation. The if, I think in my mind, the if is what is that? What does that look like specifically for me, you know, is, and for you? I think we can pray, God, what does this look like for me? What do you want me involved in, um, in pointing people to this reconciliation with the Father? And thinking about the physical slavery that we see, not even the, the spiritual slavery, but the physical slavery, it, you know, we, it's either the reality of it can be so difficult to face that we just say, well, I'll just go on with my life. I'll let someone else deal with it. Um, but People in the world, and we see it getting played out over and over, are kept in bondage by their fear, abuse, beatings, their need for money, food, acceptance. You know, as we look around, it's gut-wrenching to see what people do to people. It's really terrible. What part does God want me to play in going and bringing the good news of the gospel. Do I realize my condition without Christ? Because I think if I realize that, then I have a window into 
everyone, all of humanity. We, we are all in the same place apart from Christ. God illustrated this need for redemption. And I, Josh sent this to me yesterday, and I've seen it before but forgot about it. I said, Josh, do you want to share it tomorrow? I mean, as we get together, we all bring something, right? So I can take a break in my sermon and have you share this, but he's not in here right now. Um, <clears throat> but in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, someone has figured out that the first word in Genesis, in the beginning, I think that's one word, the last letter is Tav, which is T, the first letter of Torah. So if you take that letter through the book of Genesis, every 50 letters will spell Torah. And you go into Exodus and keep going. Every 50th letter is the next letter in Torah. And so Torah, Torah, Torah. And you get to Leviticus, and you skip Leviticus, <clears throat> go to Numbers and Deuteronomy, and every 49 letters spells Torah backwards. And so you got Genesis and Exodus, Numbers and Deuteronomy are pointing to Leviticus. So what's significant about Leviticus? I'd like to turn to my Bible says something at the intro to Leviticus. The Hebrew text starts out, well, in English here, the first verse it says, and the Lord called. And the Hebrews called this book, and he called. So God, God is calling. Now, what's, what's in, what do we find in Leviticus? What's in Leviticus? It's all the, God is spelling out how to do the sacrifices, right? What were they for? They were for redemption, so that God could have his people, right? So the whole Torah, the first five books are pointing to God's heart for redemption. <clears throat> it would take the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God to atone for our sins. God is calling for people. He is calling. <clears throat> In Ephesians 1, <clears throat> He says that we are redeemed, and plus a lot of other things. Ephesians 1 is quite a chapter. If you go through and circle all the words <clears throat> of how God has blessed us. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then as you read down through this chapter, Verse 4, he has chosen us. Verse 5, he has adopted us. Verse 6, accept, we are accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, we have redemption and forgiveness. Verse 8, he hath abounded to us, toward us in all wisdom. Verse 9, making known unto us the mystery of his will. Verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 18, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And then... 
verse 21, verse 20, which he hath wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So all this is available because God raised up Christ from the dead. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What the Father purposed, the Son accomplished, and the Holy Spirit applies. So what the Father purposed, this has been the purpose of the Father through this whole book, it's on every page, is relationship and reconciliation for those that are not in relationship. What the Father has purposed, the Son has accomplished, and the Holy Spirit applies. Luke 21. Jesus talks here about the temple being destroyed, the signs that we will see in persecutions, the destruction of Jerusalem. And then he's saying um, in verse 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear. So in the end times, fear is going to be a big problem. Um, men's hearts will be failing because of it. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, look up. Um, this word is not particularly, I think of, I'm looking this way and now look up. But what has just been happening before this? It says men's hearts are failing. They're worried about everything that's happening. So the world is going to be looking down, right? And what do you do? Your shoulders are kind of bearing the weight of your worries. And he's saying, you don't need to do that. You can stand tall. Stand tall. Don't get, try to hide in a corner. So when these things begin to come to pass, stand tall and lift up your heads. Don't be cowering in a corner. For your redemption draws nigh. That final redemption that we're looking for. We don't need to say, oh, because of everything that's happening, the redemption's not going to happen. That's not how it's going to work out. The redemption is coming. There are things that will discourage us, that will bring, we need to fight that fear of when we look around and see what things are happening. Um, but here Jesus is telling them, don't. You can still stand up. I am returning. I am going to complete what I accomplished. I am not going to leave it go. Your redemption draws nigh. That's the message 
that we have from God, the purpose of God's heart, that's the message that we have for the people of the world. And we need to work that in our hearts first. Am I redeemed? Do I know what that means? Um, am I living that way? Do I know why Christ redeemed me? Am I fulfilling that purpose? <clears throat> and then in verse 33, after he talks about the parable of the fig tree, then he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. So that will be a snare that can get us. We need to be watchful. Take heed. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch ye therefore and pray that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We are redeemed, and there's a lot within that to, to think on. And we can praise Christ and the Father, thank him for what he has accomplished on our behalf. And we can go forth standing tall, knowing that it's not us that has to break the chains for people. God does that, you know, like for Peter to get him out of prison. Just have to think, you know, the ideas, you know, do you know where you're going to be in 10 years? We don't, do we? What God has for us, what God wants us to be doing. What, but we can stand tall and walk redeemed and saying, God, the power is of you. And we are looking for what you want to accomplish. And we will step into it in faith. Um, I'm excited about what God has because it's of him. It's not of what we can sit at a desk and figure out how to. No. He says, watch. Take heed to yourselves and watch and pray. So that we can escape all these things, the fear, the heart's failing, trying to figure out how to make it work here. We can escape all that and stand before the Son of Man. Amen. <clears throat>